Greetings. Thank you all for returning to this week's new study episode titled Titus Task in Crete Part 3. I am Pastor John, welcoming our returning global audience of unchurched, self-study people, as well as those who are part of a church. For anyone looking for greater depths in God's Word with a stronger personal study, we also extend a warm welcome to all our new listeners here for the first time. Thank you all for listening. May you all be blessed of God. Last week, we continued our three-part examination of Titus, titled, Titus Task on Crete, Part 2, posted on October 9th. In that episode, we learned the word elder has four meanings. Two of the meanings apply to people who are elder in any church body of people. How old? It would seem this is open to interpretation no matter where you live. Someone who is 40 is the elder of someone who is 20. So, the meaning of the word elder had to be examined for us to get a better understanding of its biblical meaning. John Wesley said, Appoint the most faithful, zealous men to watch over the rest. Clearly, John Wesley tells us to appoint the most faithful, zealous men as elders. However, human or spiritual age is not even closely implied. Not perfect, not completely sinless, but those who are mostly this way. Meaning, those who strive for a higher degree of personal and spiritual excellence. Those who care for their brothers and sisters in Christ. Those, elders, willing to help and instruct them in their daily issues that might otherwise hold them back. John Wesley also noted, Surely the Holy Ghost, or the Holy Spirit, by repeating this so often, designed to leave the Romanists without excuse. Is what we learned in this episode a wash? A wash because it quite probably was only directed to the Romanists? To find out more, listen to our previous episode titled, Titus Task on Crete, Part 2. Welcome to our three-part examination of the book of Titus. We have already learned a lot. Let us see what is still waiting for us in the book of Titus. Titus, verses 10 through 16 reads, For there are many rebellious people, idle talkers, and deceivers, especially those with Jewish connections, who must be silenced because they misled whole families by teaching for dishonest gain what ought not to be taught. A certain one of them, in fact, one of their own prophets said, Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, lazy gluttons. Such testimony is true. For this reason, rebuke them sharply that they may be healthy in the faith and not pay attention to Jewish myths and commands of people who reject the truth. All is pure to those who are pure. But to those who are corrupt and unbelieving, nothing is pure, but both their minds and consciences are corrupted. 
they profess to know God, but with their deeds they deny Him, since they are detestable, disobedient, and unfit for any good deed. From Free Version of New English Translation with Limited Notes There are a couple comments here that may not be perceived correctly by people today. For instance, verse 10 and 11 are one sentence which says, For there are many rebellious people, idle talkers, and deceivers, especially those with Jewish connections, who must be silenced because they mislead whole families by teaching for dishonest gain what ought not to be taught. Who must be silenced? Today, we interpret that as only a slightly kinder way of saying that someone should be killed. That is clearly what is not meant by this stern wording. It would also be a sharp contradiction to what is typically taught in the Bible. So, we need to learn better what Paul was writing to Titus. Verse 12 reads, A certain one of them, in fact, one of their own prophets, said, Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, lazy gluttons. Verses 13 and 14 is a response to that thinking which reads, Such testimony is true. For this reason, rebuke them sharply. Why? That they may be healthy in the faith and not pay attention to Jewish myths and commands of people who, what? Reject the truth. So, understand, as we look deeper in this passage, just what it is we are looking at. Yes, a strong rebuke encouraged by Paul offered to Titus for his instruction to the Cretans, an instruction in those days to make the Cretans better people. Now, starting in verse 10, For there are many rebellious people, idle talkers and deceivers, especially those with Jewish connections. Hama. Then verse 11 closes the statement. We will examine verse 11 in a moment. For a clearer understanding on verse 10, we read, For there are many unruly and vain talkers and deceivers. There are many persons who are indisposed to submit to authority, many who are vain talkers, who are more given to talk than to the duties of practical religion, and many who live to deceive others under the mask of religion. They make great pretensions to piety. They are fluent in argument, and they urge their views in a plausible manner, especially they of the circumcision. Jews, spoken of here as, quote, of the circumcision, end quote, particularly because they urged the necessity of circumcision in order that men might be saved. This proves that there were not a few Jews on the island of Crete. From Barnes' New Testament Notes While circumcision is not the issue of study here, what we need to note in that last comment by Barnes reads, 
This proves that there were not a few Jews in the island of Crete. In other words, there were many Jews on the island of Crete. We should note, too, that it was the Jews of the day, when Paul and Titus were alive, that the argument between Jew and Gentile concerning circumcision was a strong discussion. However, the main focus of this study is not circumcision at all. This portion of commentary was to show that not a couple of Jews of the day, or a few Jews of the day, but many Jews of the day were on the island of Crete. That's all that portion of commentary is used to demonstrate. It is nowhere stated that they alone were the voice of unruliness, vain talk, and or deceivers. Nonetheless, the voices of unruliness, vain talk, and or deceivers was present. This is what we want to examine since we can find many places today where the voices of unruliness, vain talk, and or deceivers is also present. For example, in some homes, in some places of business, and many other places where people are together in some way. With regard to the island of Crete, we should note, there are many persons who are indisposed to submit to authority, many who are vain talkers, who are more given to talk than to the duties of practical religion, and many who live to deceive others under the mask of religion. I cannot speak to where many of you live outside of America, but in America, one can easily find truth in this comment. Many of today's American churches, from my experiences, have many people who operate this way. So this is not just a historical issue, it is also an issue of today in many churches. Not all churches, but many. Verse 11 continues, Who must be silenced because they mislead whole families by teaching for dishonest gain what ought not to be taught. Again, please note, their speech, quote, needs to be silenced, unquote, which in no way means they should be killed as can be gleaned from this type of statement read or said today. We might say today that negative talk about something or someone needs to stop because of it lacking truth and possibly other substance not found in such talk. It in no way means that stopping such talk requires one to be killed, as can be implied by how our Bibles are read by us today. As I said, this is totally contrary to how the Bible reads and what the heart of Jesus' message was to all unsaved and saved in him. Commentary tells us further, whose mouths must be stopped. The word here rendered stopped occurs nowhere else in the New Testament. It means properly to check or curb as with a bridle 
to restrain or bridle in, and then to put to silence. It is, of course, implied here that this was to be done in a proper way and in accordance with the spirit of the gospel. The apostle gives no civil power to do it, nor does he direct him to call in the aid of the civil arm. All the agency which he specifies as proper for this is that of argument and exhortation. These are the proper means of silencing the advocates of error, and the history of the church shows that the ministers of religion can be safely entrusted with no other. From Barnes' New Testament Notes Those comments from Barnes should explain very well what is meant in Scripture about silencing someone. If one has a strong and firmly stated argument about something, being contrary becomes very difficult to impossible. Remember, the correct wording is, whose mouths must be stopped, quote-unquote, which is interpreted by some as silencing someone without harming them physically. Regardless of where you live, liars, rebellious people, idle talkers, and deceivers exist. They try to make things seem to be something other than what they really are. They primarily do it for their own selfish gain. We learn further. Teaching things which they ought not for filthy lucre's sake. For gain, that is, they inculcate such doctrines as will make themselves popular and as will give them access to the confidence of the people. They make it their first object to acquire influence as ministers of religion and then abuse that in order to obtain money from the people. This they would doubtless do under many pretenses, such as that it was needful for the support of the gospel, or for the relief of the poor, or, perhaps, for the assistance of distant Christians in persecution. Religion is the most powerful principle that ever governs the mind, and if a man has the control of that, it is no difficult thing to induce men to give up their worldly possessions. In all ages, there have been impostors who have taken advantage of the powerful principle of religion to obtain money from their deluded followers. No people can be too vigilant in regard to pretended religious teachers, and while it is undoubtedly their duty to contribute liberally for the support of the gospel and the promotion of every good cause, it is no less their duty to examine with care every proposed object of benevolence and to watch with an eagle eye those who have the disbursement of the charities of the church. It is very rare that ministers ought to have much to do with disposing of the funds 
given for benevolent purposes, and when they do, they should in all cases be associated with their lay brethren. From Barnes' New Testament Notes That was a lot to say just how these issues existed in the church of Paul's and Titus' day. However, examining this further, what, if anything, is different today? More pointedly, notice again, they inculcated such doctrines as will make themselves popular and as will give them access to the confidence of the people. They make it their first object to acquire influence as ministers of religion and then abuse that in order to obtain money from the people. This they would doubtless do under many pretenses, such as that it was needful for the support of the gospel, or for the relief of the poor, or, perhaps, for the assistance of distant Christians in persecution. Religion is the most powerful principle that ever governs the mind, and if a man has the control of that, it is no difficult thing to induce men to give up their worldly possessions. Notice further, this next sentence starts with, in all ages. What does that mean? All biblical ages of present discussion, or all ages both then and now? In all ages, there have been impostors who have taken advantage of the powerful principle of religion to obtain money from their deluded followers. No people can be too vigilant in regard to pretended religious teachers, and while it is undoubtedly their duty to contribute liberally for the support of the gospel and the promotion of every good cause, it is no less their duty to examine with care every proposed object of benevolence and to watch with an eagle eye those who have the disbursement of the charities of the church. Reading further, a certain one of them, in fact one of their own prophets, said, Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, lazy gluttons. The quotation here shows that Paul had his eye not only on the Jewish teachers there, but on the native Cretans. The meaning is that, alike in reference to Jewish teachers and native-born Cretans, there was need for the utmost vigilance in the selection of persons for the ministry. They all had well-known traits of character, which made it proper that no one should be introduced into the ministry without extreme caution. It would seem, also, from the reasoning of Paul here, that the trait of character here referred to pertained not only to the native Cretans, but also to the character of the Jews residing there for he evidently means 
that the caution should extend to all who dwelt on the island. From Barnes New Testament Notes. Here we see the onus on those who are in charge or leaders, in this case Paul and Titus, at the very least. Yet it should be no different today. Today's leaders should, in fact, exercise the same degree of caution when appointing leaders over God's people so they stay safe from what can corrupt their minds and hearts so they unwittingly fall back into a sinful way of life. Preach the message. Be ready, whether it is convenient or not. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with complete patience and instruction. From 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 2. We reprove, we rebuke, and we exhort with what? Complete patience and instruction. This is how someone is silenced, if need be. They are silenced from being liars, rebellious people, idle talkers, and deceivers if they are properly reproved and even rebuked. Notice one other thing one is obligated to do. Exhort with complete patience and instruction. This is how we today, especially, show others God's love for them. It demonstrates our love for them as well as caring for them, setting them back on the correct path toward heaven. To be clear, it is not hammering on people as one can find in many American churches. It is about exhorting them. Whether admonishing or exhorting, it is about doing it with complete patience and instruction. This right here is the clincher. If you get nothing else, understand this. We need not a little, not some, but complete patience and instruction toward others we are ministering to. We should want everyone to be healthy in the faith. We are also instructed to not pay attention to myths and commands of people who reject the truth. Remember, Jewish and Cretan people are of discussion in our Bibles in this text. However, this projects clearly and cleanly into today's world. It also applies to far more than Jewish and Cretan people today. With that said, I will close with these last verses from Titus. Such testimony is true. For this reason, rebuke them sharply, that they may be healthy in the faith, and not pay attention to Jewish myths and commands of people who reject the truth. All is pure to those who are pure. But to those who are corrupt and unbelieving, nothing is pure, but both their minds and consciences 
are corrupted. They profess to know God, but with their deeds they deny Him, since they are detestable, disobedient, and unfit for any good deed. Next week, we will examine another short book in the New Testament. Philemon, like Titus, it is a short single chapter, 25 verses long. Given its length and what we can learn from Philemon, this could possibly be a four-part examination. I have never heard anyone preach or teach from the book of Philemon. I have never, ever heard anyone just grab verses from Philemon as reference verses to further support their topic of discussion. So, to be different, we will do another short New Testament book study. Join us next week for the first episode titled, The Book of Philemon, Part 1. Play or download our episodes from one of our podcast hosts, or follow direct links to these platforms on our website under the podcast menu item. Details follow. This study podcast is a wholly self-funded outreach presented by the Church of the Unchurched. Currently, an all-electronic Boston-based outreach uniting the community of lost, searching, lonely, and forgotten in Christ. We greatly appreciate serving our international audience. God bless you all. If you are visiting for the first time, welcome, and God bless you. We look forward to the return of all our faithful listeners and new listeners. Please share our podcast with family, friends, and others you believe would find it a blessing. Thank you all so much. God bless you all. If you are unsaved, we truly hope you find God as well as receiving Him as Lord and Savior of your life. Please find a short link to our episode titled, How to be Saved, at the bottom of any episode description. To learn more about us and who we are, give our episode titled, Introduction, About Us, Who We Are, a listen. In that episode, you will learn more about us, who we are reaching out to, our mission, vision, ministry, and more. Again, a short link to this episode is found at the bottom of any episode description. If you go to our internet homepage, under the podcast menu item, you can find many popular podcast platforms we are found on. We are located at this internet address, unchurched.site123.me. At present, we are located on a growing number of podcast sites. So, you should be able to find us on a platform you like. We refresh all our feeds with every weekly episode upload on Sundays. These sites update our feed within 24 hours of our refresh. Now, may our Lord Jesus Christ Himself and God our Father who loved us and by grace gave us eternal comfort and good hope encourage your hearts and strengthen you in every good thing you do or say. Until next week, this is Pastor John for the Church of the Unchurched.